Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today.
On the US. Coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered for Friday, December 27, 2019. Roland is continuing his pilgrimage in Ghana this week. I'm so jealous. I'm Dr. Julianne Malvo, your host for today. Roland sat down with the president of Ghana. We hope to connect with him live. Meanwhile, Trump goes on a tweet storm after Christmas, outseeing the alleged Ukrainian whistleblower and attacking Nancy Pelosi over the impeachment process. He don't understand this guy ain't gonna be scatched and no kidding. Nancy Pelosi is time enough for him. Michael Bloomberg is still cleaning up his campaign and severs ties with the firm that hired prison laborers to make campaign calls. Great optic for Mr. Stop and Frisk. 
West African countries will stop using the CFA franc, ending a 75-year-old controversy. And we have an update on a crazy-ass white person. ESPN reporter Ed Ashkoff dies of pneumonia at only age 35. Hey, it's time to bring the funk on, roll mountain unfiltered. Let's go, let's do it. He's got it. Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the fine. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. Best believe he's knowing. Putting it down from sports to news to politics. With entertainment just for kicks, he's rolling. Martin Unfiltered. Roland is in Ghana this week for the year of the return. Uh, we were able to connect with him, so that's exciting. Uh, Roland, you know Ghana is my favorite place on the African continent. I know you're enjoying it. What's up? Tell us what's going on. Uh, Julian, I'm certainly glad to talk with you. This is uh, my last night here uh, in Ghana. We got here December 19th. Uh, we head out tomorrow night back to the States. Uh, it has been a fantastic uh, visit here. Uh, traveling all over the place, uh, talking with all kinds of different people. Uh, today, there was a breakfast uh, that was put on uh, by by the British for the year of return in honor of the year of return. And so afterwards, I got a chance to sit down and talk with President Addo. You came to the United States in 2018 to announce the year of return. Are you even shocked with the response uh, this initiative has gotten, not just from African-Americans, uh, but folks in the UK, folks in Canada, and from other countries. I don't know if shock is the word, but certainly, um, 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 let me say, it's more than I expected. I hoped that it would have a big resonance, but it has, I think, had a much bigger resonance than I had anticipated. It's a very welcome one. You want us to use the word shock, all right, but it's a very welcome shock, and I'm very happy that the initiative has evoked the response that it has. Obviously, there, there's an economic piece. Now, of course, that was a small piece uh, of the interview with uh, President Aldo. Uh, we did a much longer interview. We're going to, of course, have that uh, four-hour special on Roland Martin Unfiltered. This two-hour special we're putting together uh, on the year of return. Uh, one of the folks I caught up with was Dr. Cambone. He's a professor at the University of Ghana uh, who moved here a number of years ago from Chicago. He got sick and tired of uh, the police in terms of uh, attacking black men. Uh, and we had a great conversation outside of his office at the University of Ghana. Here's some of that conversation. Uh, undergrad at Morehouse College in Atlanta, grad school in Wisconsin, all places in And then after finishing my master's degree, So you, so you live in Chicago, and the climate there, we're talking about, you know, police brutality, shootings, all those different things, and that just got to you, and you say, you know what, I got to get out of here. Yeah, you know, it wasn't so abstract either. You know, I actually had a situation where 
I was arrested on trumped up charges. You know, me, you know, having two master's degrees, they didn't ask me about any of that. Teaching at Chicago State, Malcolm X College, Betty Shabazz, all these different schools. But when they see you, they just see a black person. So, you know, they send you out to Bridgeview to have 99.999% And, you know, tens of thousands of dollars later beat the charge. But I realized that as long as I'm in their jurisdiction on a whim at any time, they could do the same thing over again. So I had already been to Ghana. I did a year of study abroad here. And again, I can't wait for y'all to actually, I can't wait for y'all to actually see all of these amazing interviews uh, and these great visuals that we've been able to get here uh, in Ghana. Uh, so today, so today I had the opportunity, Julian, uh, to chat with somebody who you know very well. Uh, and you know what? So instead of me going introducing, uh, I'm going to go ahead and let her introduce. So she had a shout out for you. Julian, I'm here in Accra, uh, Ghana. I'm told you are extremely loud, like really, really loud. Hi, Julian. How are you? Wonderful. How are you? Where is she? Oh, I'm recording you. Oh, you're recording? Yes. Oh, you really? I don't know, Jack. Hi, Julian. She just asked me about you. I was like, yeah, she's still crazy. Okay, do you know who has a hot for her? Method, who? Method Man. And who is Method Man? Rapper. A rapper? Oh I'm my God! No, you, no, you don't understand. Oh, really? You don't understand. He I did, have to Google he did, Method Man. He, no, no, no. You got to Google Method Man and Julian Malvo. What? They're no, mean? I interviewed. No, no. Oh, okay. Julian wishes she was dating Method Man. Oh, okay. So I interviewed him at uh, at Community uh, Shaft at American Black Film Festival. Uh -huh. He's like, oh man, I love your show. He said, yo, uh, who who's the red bone? What? He says the red bone. She really smart. He said the older sister. Yeah, man, I really like her. Oh. Oh, yeah. So uh, they're making some promise there. Uh-oh, uh-oh, look at you. Rocking the cradle. <laughs> See you soon in Ghana. <laughs> Holla. Again, we had a great conversation with Rose Whitaker uh, today, and so look forward to folks seeing this. Uh, what's happening now, a number of big-name celebrities, they are coming into Accra, Ghana. Rick Ross got here earlier. Ludacris is here. Uh, Richard Lawson, Tina Knowles, so many other people here. Uh, the folks with Essence Festival, they're bringing uh, their full circle event here as well. So lots of people are going to be coming to uh, Ghana in the next 24, 48 hours uh, for New Year's. We'll be heading out. Time to go home, get some rest, see the family. Uh, what's also happening here, of course, Afrochella is tomorrow. There's a huge of concerts. There are festival events taking place all tonight, all across uh, Accra, Ghana. Uh, hotels are jam-packed. Folks are flying in. More than 750,000 people, uh, 750,000 visas were issued by Ghana this year. Uh, there were so many people who have been who were coming to Ghana this week and for Afrochella and for the other events. And what the government did, they created a visa on arrival program. Uh, normally, you have to go to the embassy, request the visa, wait for it, get it. No. Folks literally are flying in, and they're doing visas right there at the airport. And so when you look on social media, it's going to be all kinds of stuff. Uh, like I say, parties and events, you name it. Uh, and so all those things are happening. Uh, Pragana is absolutely uh, hot right now, not just the temperature itself, but also with what's going on uh, with so many people here. Uh, so many people, I, I can tell you, Julian, so many people have been emotional. Uh, the comments that we're getting on our Instagram, my Instagram page, Twitter page, and Facebook page as well, People who, are, people who are learning so much, 
who didn't know a lot of this stuff that we're presenting them uh, about Ghana, the history, not just uh, transatlantic slave trade, but just the history of the country itself. And so I think people are really going to learn a whole lot when they see this special uh, that we are putting together. Uh, and I purposely, just so folks understand, I purposely did not want uh, to come here and make our special about celebrities. That's mm -hmm. great. That's wonderful. I came in with Sheena Mead, Desmond Mead, and, and, and some of the activists they work with. We really wanted to make this educational mm -hmm. piece about Ghana itself, about the history. And so that's really what our focus was. And so I think people are really going to be uh, blessed by it. And so we've had an absolute great time uh, just seeing everybody. I have traveled all around and I have run into numerous people, people who watch Roller Martin Unfiltered, folks from the UK, folks from Canada. Mm -hmm. I ran to two journalists today from the Bahamas. I ran to a brother who's an Omega who lives here in Accra who watches the show. And so that's the other beauty about what we do. People literally here uh, in Ghana and also the African diaspora have really been able to participate uh, and watch uh, show and, and learn so much. And so uh, it's been absolutely fabulous. But yes, I'm ready to get home, uh, <laughs> ready to see my family, to relax. I'm going to relax 48 hours, and then we go right into it, putting this special together. And so trust me, I think people are going to be blown away when they see the amazing stuff, <laughs> the visuals, but also the content of what we shot here uh, in this 10-day trip to uh, Ghana, uh, to Ghana itself uh, in the year of return. And so if you're coming in, Look, I'm telling y'all right now, expect lots of traffic. It is crazy, <laughs> the traffic here. Uh, and and uh, lastly, I was at the, um, I went to the village where they make where they make the kente cloth. Uh, yeah. Some videos on my Instagram page, you can see me trying my hand at making some of that. Uh, I bought a whole lot. And so, uh, yeah, brother got a lot of outfits being made uh, here uh, in Ghana as well. So looking forward to it. So like I say, it has been absolutely fabulous. And I just want to thank all of our fans who've been enjoying what we've been covering so far and we got lots more to show y'all uh and so uh back to everybody there in dc julian take it away so roller what you got for me you got a nice piece of kenti for me see see Just... right there right there yeah i got a, i got a, i got a good head wrap for you i want a piece of kenti rolling <laughs> anyway right, i'm gonna give you a, I'm, yeah i'm gonna give you i'm gonna give you a kenti head wrap we're going to take what we can get. I know you're loving it. I love Ghana. It's my favorite place on the African continent. I used to tell people that I was once married to W.B. Du Bois. Not really. But I'd love to go to his uh, grave and just kneel down and deal with my ancestor. So I, I'm a little jealous, I but I know you. you're doing a great job. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So I now, appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Roland. Now, joining me on our panel is Julian Boykin. He's the founder and chairman of Young Republicans for Southern Maryland. And also Erica Savage Wilson. She's the host of Savage Politics Podcast. So Roland's in Ghana. What are you all thinking? This is the second day of Kwanzaa. Um, what, what are your thoughts? Julie and I were just chatting, and I told him it's been about four years since I've been to Ghana, so I shared my experience um, actually walking through customs and having one of the brothers tell me that I was home, that I was his sister, and I just mm -hmm. wailed in tears. And then walking out of the terminal and... It, Accra looks like L.A., just walking from out <laughs> of the, the terminal in and of itself. But I shared with Julian, also traveled to the township of Pone and saw how um, the, um, the oil had been pilfered um, by the yeah. Chinese and seeing um, all of us working, and I say us meaning um, for um, black folks um, working the oil fields. 
But then you also see the beauty of our people that have made their houses, and you see the Minister of Education coming, um, Minister of mm -hmm. Health, rather, coming up and down the street to ensure that children have had their shots and things of that nature. Then we travel to Abari, which is a beautiful mountainous region of Ghana, and then on to the slave castle. So Ghana is home for me. You expressed how you felt about Ghana. I feel the exact same way. And I think that it is something that every black person should save up, should make sure that that's something that they do with their bonus to travel home and to have that experience in Ghana. Well, especially to be at WB's grave. Oh, my God. I mean, for me, I guess as an intellectual, um, an economist, which WB sometimes claimed, <laughs> he was such a fascinating man um, with his degrees from Harvard mm -hmm. and his intellectual acumen. Um, so I, I remember going once, and uh, my sister friends were like, what do you want to do today? I'm like, I'm going to see WB. Y'all do whatever y'all want to do. Right. <laughs> they were like, you going to talk to a dead man? I'm like, uh-huh. Because dead man sometimes better than live man. <laughs> okay, let me stop. Anyway, Roland is having a great time. We're excited about it. We're looking forward to hearing what he's put together. And I know that he um, has been to all the places where our hearts break yes. and our spirits rise. Yeah. Now, that man in the house that enslaved people built, he uh, tweets out both the alleged whistleblower and Nancy Pelosi. He retweeted a post that outed by name the whistleblower who first filed the complaint about his phone call with the Ukrainian president. The tweet he promoted from the Trump War Room account said it's pretty simple. The CIS whistleblower is not a whistleblower. The clip embedded in the tweet produced by the white right-wing Washington Examiner includes the name of the whistleblower, which is supposed to be off-limits, which mainstream news sources have refused to publish in the interest of protecting federal-recognized whistleblower safeguards against retaliation. But people in the president's inner circle, um, including Ivanka and Pat Cipollone, warn him not to promote content renaming the whistleblower. It's just wrong. But, panel, what do y'all think? I mean, we have been caught in this imbroglio now for a couple of weeks. Nancy Pelosi is not turning over uh, the um, indictment, which may or may not be good strategy. But meanwhile, the madness continues. I mean, literally, the madness continues. Julia, what are you thinking? I don't think it's a good idea to to blow the whistleblower like that. I mean, because at the end of the day, you don't know what type of retaliation can come towards that, that whistleblower being being exposed. It's just like when you have a witness in protective custody, you want to make sure that witness is protected at all times. So I don't agree with what the president did by doing it, but, you know, at the end of the day, the president is an individual, he's an adult, he's entitled to whatever he wants to say or do. So, I mean, if people in his own circle will give him fair warning of, hey, that might not be the best approach, and he still makes, a, makes it up in his mind that he wants to do that, then, hey, you know, you just, it is what it is. You know, I don't agree with it. I don't, I don't think it's the right thing to do because it puts a person's life at stake. You mm -hmm. know, by, by having the president of the United States do that, I think you, now you, you become public enemy number one with the entire world as far as those who support the president and things of that nature. So you don't, it's like you... It's like you literally got to just, I mean, fall off the earth just to go to, for hide and protect. 
just, just to ensure protection. Because now you put a lot of stress on people to protect this individual. Just, but now you just being are, ousted. you've led a Republican group in Southern Maryland. Yes, uh, Republicans seem to have drank a whole lot of Kool-Aid around this president. Where are you on this whole issue of impeachment and the contempt of Congress? Does it shake you from your Republican roots, or are you still loyal to Trump no matter what? I don't like a lot of things that's going on. I mean, I don't... I look at it like this. If Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats had any faith in the candidates running for the Democratic primary, we wouldn't have an impeachment hearing. They would focus on putting together whoever candidate that they're going to support and vote the president out of office. <clears throat> but I understand the whole purpose behind the impeachment, you know, to tarnish the pre president's legacy and to put doubt in the voters' mind for 2020. So now she's holding the articles of impeachment because she wants to ensure a fair and reasonable trial that's going to be conducted by the, by the Senate. So I understand her approach, but I think it may backfire on her for the simple fact you don't have the numbers in the Senate. So at the end of the day, she can hold those articles as long as she wants to, but at some point, you're going to have to turn it over to the Senate and then trust that the Senate is going to do what's fair and reasonable by the people, for the people, and just see it through. At the end of the day, if you, if you don't have the numbers, you don't really have the but, control. But do, I, you I, think that, do you think that there is a case for impeachment? No, I don't. Well, we'll see, and, and, Erica, and, I, take, uh, and I take point to what you just, the latter part of what you just said. Again, I, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, segregating re-election from impeachment. So impeachment was justified. He made a phone call to the president of Ukraine on July 25th. And which he, in that which phone he admitted call, to. Well, he had no choice what, but now, to admit Julian, to it because... Saying? What are you saying? No, I'm saying he, he admitted to the phone call. Right. He and he, no but he said but it was to. perfect. And many look at that phone call and say there was implicit quid pro quo, that there was um, implicit bribery, that there was a heavy-handed approach to the president of Ukraine. So he says it's perfect. A whole lot of other people, including people he appointed, don't see it the same way. Right. And what? so you have to segregate both of those things. So this re-election campaign is not about 2020. It is about holding a person that was um, supposedly duly elected to be president into account. And so if it is said that the president can make a phone call whereby he stands in front of $400 million that was appropriated by Congress for military aid and for security for the country of Ukraine, who has been attacked, right? And, and who has, who been, has been occupied and has been our ally and said that they want a democracy. And so they went through the process of having a democracy and they elected President Zelensky as their president. So he stands in front of the $400 million and said, listen, though this has been appropriated by Congress and also obligated, those were federal funds that were obligated, meaning that they were legally bound funds. He steps in front of those funds and says, you can have those funds if, if you'll do me a favor, though. You, he cannot do that. And so it is important well, for the little bit of democracy... Well, 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 you know, for a, a segment of the population, it would appear so. But he can't. He has to be checked. And so... And that's for anybody that's in office that is president. And so the way that he was checked was by impeachment. And this is something that, though, there were members of the House of Representatives that long ago said that he should have been impeached. Nancy Pelosi said that, listen, Donald Trump is going to impeach himself 
And he did that on July 25th with that phone call to President mm -hmm. Zelensky. So this is nothing to do with personality. This is nothing to do with re-election. It is to do with if you were president, if I were president, that we are held into account for acts of high crimes and misdemeanor. And he did commit that on July 25th, loud and clear, with not only himself, but with at least a dozen other people on that phone call. And the person that did say that rose and said that this was an inappropriate phone call is the person who has, and I believe that this would have happened um, at any time because that is the type of person that we're dealing with, whose now name on December the 3rd was tweeted out by not only the mm. Washington Examiner, but then by those allies of Donald John Trump. So in order for us to move forward in what we are still saying is a democracy, there has to be a level of checks and balances. And unfortunately for him, that is impeachment. Okay, Erica, I want to get Julian back in here because I'm sure he has plenty to say. <laughs> um, but you know what? Before you jump in there, because I know what you got to say, um, pretty much. I mean, <laughs> you like a ride-or-die Republican. And uh, <laughs> if you keep riding, you might be dying. Uh, <laughs> just saying. But in any case, uh, Erica has laid out a very strong case for why so many people, not only Democrats, but increasingly some Republicans, are looking askance at what's going on. What can you say? You're a Republican. You're Like I said, you're a ride-or-die Republican. But I know you know that some of this spit is wrong. I said spit. I don't curse on the air. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> just saying. So, help us figure out why you are still so right or die. I have a choice. I'm a registered voter. It's no different than... Hey, you think this is what's going on is right? No, I don't. But... I, 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 don't, I don't think this impeachment is right. I think it's a sham. I think it's trying to tarnish the president's legacy and putting doubts in the voters' mind for 2020. You don't think what happened in Ukraine was wrong? Who said it was illegal? Let's start there. Oh, well, the, the high crimes and misdemeanors. You, you had two, de you had two Democrats who said this was a waste of time. The Constitution. You had, you had two, two out of how many? Two Come Democrats. on, dudes. Two you out had, of how you many? Had, you had two Democrats. So when Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats... When Nancy Pelosi put together this impeachment inquiry to impeach the president... She was at the point of no return. She had no other choice than to keep going forward with this. But we you just talked it, about this is not about personality. This is about holding the person about, that I, was elected into office I never said it was about personality. So how I is it a sham? this was about tarnishing somebody's legacy. How was it a sham? Listen, okay. he did that all on his own. Okay. How was it tarnishing a legacy when he made a, when he made a phone call that should have been a congratulatory phone call? On the phone call, he decided he said, that he was going up? to say that instead of you getting the $400 million that was appropriated by Congress, I need for you to look into something for me. And it is okay. about a Joseph Biden, and it is about a Hunter Biden. You tell okay. me how is that a sham. Guess what, guys? We're going to move on just a little bit. We could come back to this, okay. but let's move on for just a sec. So, 45 fired off a stream of tweets Thursday, blasting Democrats and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi amid the impeachment impasse. The, quote, the radical left do-nothing Democrats said they want to rush everything through the Senate because President Trump is a threat to national security. Quote, they are vicious, they will say anything, but now they don't want to go fast anymore because they want to go very slowly. Liars. This is a Trump tweet. 
Trump tweets come after Pelosi has said she would wait until the Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell announces a process by which the chamber will conduct tri Trump's trial before transmitting the articles of impeachment the House passed last week. As it stands, McConnell has said he wants the Senate to confirm the precedent set in 1999 during then-President Bill Clinton's impeachment trial, which included a two-resolution process. First, an initial agreement to first hear the case, and then a later vote on whether to call witnesses. McConnell's counterpart, Senator Minority Leader Chuck Schumer, has pushed for a single resolution that would set parameters for presenting the case and allow for the calling of witnesses. Schumer has said he wants the Senate to call four witnesses, including former National Security Advisor John Bolton, acting White House Chief of Staff uh, Mick Mulvaney, uh, to testify about Trump's conduct towards Ukraine. So, guys, I mean, this is going on and on and on and on and on and on. Uh, people just don't agree about whether this was wrong or whether it was right. Uh, but clearly the majority does agree that there has been contempt of Congress. And this, frankly, to me, it slaps us in the face of everything we know to be. I don't necessarily, y'all might not agree with me, about the separation of powers. Right. Because we have three co-equal branches of government. government. Absolutely. You have the legislature, you have the president, and you have the Supreme Court. Right. And somehow the president does not believe that he has to respect his other co-equals. Julian, help me out with this. And don't be making them faces, because <laughs> it ain't working. <laughs> I, I, I think the longer this goes on, the the more it takes away from, from the from the people. You know, it's it's to a point now where people are tired of hearing about this Ukraine. People are tired of hearing about the impeachment. People are ready to just say, "Hey, let's go ahead. Let's take this before the Senate. Let's see what happens in the Senate, so we can move forward and get ready for 2020." I think the longer you drag it out, it starts. It just starts to run its course to the point where people just start turning their back on it. Like, okay. Nothing's going to come from it, so why continue to make make light of it? Well, so are you diminishing the energy that young people, um, women, um, others have to see this president at minimum reprimanded and perhaps at maximum uh, released from office? But they're young people, people that we don't always talk about. You may be the youngest one on this panel. I don't know. I know I'm the old girl. But... Um, and I love it. Um, I, 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 but it, but, like but I some of these before, younger people at, are very at, disturbed. And re I mean, at the end of the day, it should go ahead and run its course and follow whatever process that needs to be followed. So the articles of impeachment need to be turned over to the Senate so the Senate can do their due diligence and make a decision however they're going to make. That's what I mean by when Nancy Pelosi is, is holding back and saying, no, I want to make sure you guys are going to be fair and reasonable with this trial, I understand her reason. She's entitled to that, but at some point, you got to turn those articles over and, well, now, and, and let it let everything happen that's going to happen as far as if he's going to be removed from office, the votes will show it. If he's not going to be removed from office, the votes will show it. I don't and he see will always have a permanent black mark on his life because he has been impeached. One of three So which is more important? 
tarnishing his legacy or making sure he doesn't get reelected. Well, I think he's done that all on his own. And I just want to bring <laughs> forward as we talk about this that the reason that those articles of impeachment are not being turned over is because Mitchell McConnell went on Hannity and said the following. We'll mm -hmm. make a decision about the way forward and everything I do during this, I'm coordinating with White House counsel. There will be no difference between the president's position and our position as to how we handle this to the extent that we can. So... But here's what I'm saying. But you so don't here's know, what I'm but saying. Let's just finish. talk about this from the finish. black American experience, right? So our um, what our um, relationship usually, not usually, but our relationship with the courts has been fractured somewhat, right? True. So it's usually someone that we know that's been incarcerated, someone perhaps in our family. Or there's just been, um, we've all, uh, all experienced kind of like, yeah, the rollout of justice really kind of even before we got to the court steps. So when we think about this in terms of impeachment, it would behoove all of us to understand that this, just like anything else, is a process, right? The way with which this alleged president got to office was a process. True. So while we're thinking about that, this is not a game. This is ensuring that those checks and balances absolutely stand that whomever assumes that office, be it a Republican, be it a Democrat, be it independent, that they're held to a standard. I it would be it. so when we talk about the relationships of courts, particularly as black Americans, and we think about this whole impeachment process, her holding those articles of impeachment to ensure that per Mitch McConnell goes on Hannity and says this in front of a camera to millions of viewers, then do, do you not think that it would not be in the interest of the American people that folks go on TV and talk about the American people, the American people all the time to ensure that the process forward is not going to be rigged as has been identified by the Senate Majority Leader and echoed by the echo chamber of Republicans as well. And I'm saying that would be for whomever was in office. She does not... Or she, she has no control she, over this. But Mitch McConnell just said that he has control. This and is he, his he also said... This, he also said... This all, is his verbatim statement. statement on December the, the 12th. Day, you have no control over it. So you're going to let but it Mitch run... Mitch McConnell said that he has absolute control. He's coordinating with the White House. Julian, Julian, Mitch McConnell Julian, stop a minute. Stop a minute. Stop a minute. At the end of the day, Mitch McConnell said he is in a cahoots with the White House. So, therefore, this is not anything as unbiased... Do you have or... control over it? No. Do I have control over it? No. Does she have control over it? No. And, but, and, so, that's a, that's a rhetorical point. That is a rhetorical point that means nothing, my brother. No, no. Nothing, Let nothing, nothing. Let me finish, please. Nancy Honey, don't Pelosi, holler over me. Nancy Pelosi has no control over that. I understand her reasoning for holding the articles of, of impeachment, like I said before, to ensure that this trial will be fair and reasonable. She has no control over it. The Republicans control the Senate. So at the end of the day, it's going to be what it's going to be. I don't see no Republican putting him out of office since we have election year coming up, and a lot of them are up for re-election. I don't. And some of them are up for re-election in swing states where Democrats yeah. will spank them in the behind. And you have a lot of Democrats who are up for re-election in red states that was won by President well, so Trump. So it, it goes both ways. So we're going to see how it all but turns out. 40, but at the end of the day, they the have lost seats. They have all lost seats. All they have lost seats. They have... Excuse me. I'm talking. They have lost seats. Mm -hmm. They have... Um, <laughs> they have disrespected the American people. Now, you, y'all folks may not think that, but a lot of people, white 
college-educated, even non-college-educated women are tilting D because they're tired of this. At the end of the day, we don't know how people are gonna vote. We don't. Is that your, is that your strongest argument? We don't know how people are gonna vote? 20, 2016 election. Everybody thought Hillary was gonna win. It was a landslide victory for her. Look what happened. The well, votes showed people thought otherwise. So at the end of the day, what looks like a shoe in may not be a shoe in. Well, nobody but we have to also factor in. in active voter suppression that happened, and that yes. was in um, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. So we cannot discount True. those. So I'm that, not, those I'm are not very dis- real things. Okay, let her. No, 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 but Julian, Julian, it's going to play out. However, it's going to play out. Julian, let her finish. We want to make sure that it's fair and balanced. Have I not stated that? Have I not stated that? But that's why. No, but you, but you leaning on this. Well, we don't know how it's going to turn out. I mean, you don't. You, 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 you no, can't. nobody does. But at the but same that's time, what I'm saying. but that—that's a weak point. That's not a weak. It point. It is a weak point. I just supported the fact that Nancy is holding on to these articles, so she Speaker, can... Speaker Pelosi, please. Speaker Pelosi is holding on to these articles to ensure that a trial is going to be fair and reasonable. Have I not said that? At the end of the day, no one is going to predict how this is going to come out, so she can hold on to those articles as long as she wants. At the end of the day. It's going to be what it's going to be. Whether he's going to be removed or not removed, we have no control over it. So we can sit here and talk all day and yell at each other until we blew in the face. But at the end of the day, whatever the outcome is going to be, that's what's going to happen, regardless of how we agree or disagree on that fact. Okay, I'm going to take a break. Our brother man here is tripping. So So we're going to take a break. I'll be right back. Hey fam, I want you to like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin, and don't forget to turn on your notifications. The marijuana momentum continues. Our friends at marijuanastock.org have already reached more than half of their funding goal for the hemp CBD investment. That's right, if you want to take advantage of this great opportunity, you need to do it now because it won't last much longer. If you don't know, I'm talking about the hemp plant, the good cousin to marijuana with a much higher concentration of CBD. That means hemp gives you all the medical benefits of marijuana without getting you high. Also, hemp farming is now legal in the U.S., creating one of the largest commodities worldwide. It's an incredible investment opportunity. That's where the folks at 420 Real Estate come in. Their business model is very simple. They buy land that supports hemp CBD grow operations and lease it to license high-paying tenants. That's right. They are hemp CBD landlords. Now... You can get in on the action uh, by simply joining their crowdfunding campaign, investing as little as 200 bucks up to $10,000. Again, 200 bucks up to 10 grand. Now you must do so before the fund is closed. To invest, go to marijuanastock.org. That's marijuanastock.org. Uh, former New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg says his presidential campaign has cut ties with the firm that used prisoners to make calls on the candidate's behalf. Bloomberg said his campaign used a third-party vendor to contract a call center company named Procom to conduct calls for his 2020 presidential campaign. But when a report by The Intercept noted that two of the company's Oklahoma call centers operate out of prisons, Bloomberg said his campaign immediately ended the arrangement. Earlier today, a news outlet accurately reported that a subcontractor for one of our vendors was using prison workers to make phone calls on behalf of my campaign. After learning this, we immediately ended our relationship with that company. Too little too late. A source said the intercept that some of the female inmates at the women's prison, Dr. Eddie Warrior Correctional Center in Oklahoma, have made calls for his campaign. Soon after announcing his Democratic presidential run, 
Bloomberg apologized for his support of the stop and frisk strategy employed by the New York Police Department while he was mayor. Y'all know this total thing cracks me up because it's not just about Bloomberg. Mm -hmm. It's about the prison convict yep. labor system, yep. which allows, let's, let's just break this down. So this pro, um, pro-com company bids to pay the minimum wage. But the working wage for call center people is between 11 and 12 an hour. Mm -hmm. So the minimum wage is 7.22. So right there, there's about a $4 an hour profit that somebody's getting. Then let's add to it um, the fact that the prison pays ProCom 7.25 an hour, but the inmates get about $1.45 an hour. Mm -hmm. So there's another gap here. So basically, this is called predatory capitalism at its best. And um, Bloomberg, who already has uh, black marks on his face, as far as I'm concerned, with stop and frisk, is yet again colluding with the oppression of black people. Now, that's my opinion. What do you think, Julian? <laughs> I, would, I would ask Bloomberg's staff, did they do their, their due no. diligence in finding mm. out who are you contracting out with? So it, it, it paints a bad picture for Bloomberg and makes it look like, hey, you're looking for cheap labor. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, when you solicit services, you got to do your due diligence and say, hey, how are you going to provide these services for us? Can we go and see this so-called call center that's going to be making calls for the Bloomberg campaign? So at the end of the day, Bloomberg has to take the hit for it because his name is tied to it. Yeah. And any other candidate who's running for office, if this was to come about, they would have to take the hit as well you're just not doing your due diligence and, and researching to say, hey, we found a company, but we need to go see the facilities to make sure that they're going to represent us and it doesn't come back to bite us, in, bite us in the butt. And as you see right now, he has to take this negative hit because you're using, you know, convicted con felons, whatever the case may be, to, to make phone calls on your behalf. And well, it's not, not a good look for them. It's not that you're using the felons so, so much as you're, you're participating in an exploitative system. It's not, I mean... If it was a legitimate call center outside of a prison, we probably wouldn't be having this discussion. No, but, but for, in a legitimate call center, the workers would get about 11 an hour, uh, 10, True. 11, 12 an hour. True. Whereas the call center subcontractor is paying 7.25, but the workers are still getting something like a dollar and a half. So there's a whole lot of exploitation mm -hmm. built into this. Now, that's just my opinion as an economist. Y'all can shoot me will down. We, will we still talk about it if it wasn't a prison? Would pace, so is it the fact that it was at a prison or is the fact of the, the capitalism that's being broken down as far as the pay? The fact that it is a prison, which means you have created captive labor and made it possible to exploit people. And this goes back to enslavement and the way that convict labor was used during enslavement to extract surplus value from black people and especially black men. And we have to basically look at that and look at the many ways that our people were re-enslaved and re-enslaved. And so um, I'm not picking on Bloomberg particularly because Anybody who subcontracts <coughs> has a risk of doing this, and the point is that everybody who subcontracts has to use due diligence. Erica? And I also believe that this is almost par for the course for Bloomberg. This is a person who entered the race in very late, um, just about a month ago. And, and then when he entered in... spent about 70-some million dollars already. 
absolutely and has been running as as who's not participating in debates because he does not have to. He's pretty much bought his way into this contest much of the same way that he bought his third term as mayor of New York City. Mm -hmm. So this also says to me that it's not the politics where there is a talking to your voter base, there's reaching out to people, there's talking about issues, because where does he stand on the school-to-prison pipeline, right? Where does he stand yeah, in criminal justice either. reform? Where where does he... We know where he stands on gun reform because that was a platform that he laid out largely before he threw in his hat for the presidency. But this, to me, reeks of a candidate not really genuinely reaching out to the voter base and talking to people. Um... And so, for a person that jumped into the race um, as a now Democrat who had previously been a Republican, <laughs> um, and uh, uh, oh yeah, very much so in the very much so in the fourth quarter, um, and has uh, the only <laughs> outreach that he's done is going to a black church and simply saying, "I'm sorry, history can't be undone," which we very well know. But the same community, which is the prison community that he's impacted, it's very interesting that this whole call center story came about because though it's in Oklahoma, a women's detention center in Oklahoma, it is still that same fragrance of him just not really having a connection with um, Well, being tone deaf, tone deaf around black people and their issues. And even though, you know, well, more than half of the people incarcerated in this country are African-American. Right. So when we start talking about convict labor, we really are talking about black people. Other people, too, of course, but disproportionately us. We're 13% at best of the population, yeah. but perhaps half right. of those who are incarcerated. Many, especially women, incarcerated behind BS, yeah. you know, they boo with slinging drugs, and they happen to be in the house, yeah. you know. Um, but in any case, um, Mayor Bloomberg has a lot to answer for, mm -hmm. but so do many others around this convict labor issue. Yeah. Who should take the weight on this, Julian? Who should be doing leadership on this? I think that if Bloomberg was serious, he might use some of the millions to deal with this convict labor issue. What do you think? I think he should, if he's trying to get the vote. You know, when you talk about stop and frisk, he has a lot to answer for. And I, I think just a simple apology is not going to cut it. Mm -hmm. So when I saw the one-on-one -on -one interview, he didn't seem remorseful to me as far as, hey, look, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I'm sorry. I think it was just one of those things where, okay, you got me cornered. Let me say what I can say to try to pacify it, and let's move forward. Let's go ahead and move forward with the interview. But at the end of the day, if you're trying to run for office, the highest office that is, you should do more than just show up at a black church. <laughs> you should address the issues as far as, yes, African-Americans make up less than 15% of the population, but we're more than 50% of the population when it comes to incarceration. So, yes, you, ha you have this prison pipeline that needs to be addressed. You know, what about talking about the prison reform? How do you plan to, you know, rehab that and add to it? How do you plan to reduce the prison rate as far as young African-Americans going to prison for pedalist crimes? whether it can be for a misdemeanor, things of that nature. How do you plan to fix the issue of how much money you have depends on what kind of sentence you're going to get versus if you don't have any money, yeah. they can do whatever they want. So versus if you have a little money... Billions. He's throwing around uh, millions to get elected, but he's not dealing with some of the foundational issues of his own candidacy. Erica? And I don't feel like he feels like he needs that he has to either. No. I mean, let's be very honest. I mean, I think about the way that he entered the campaign. It says a lot about 
who he is and who he believes that he has to, very much so privilege, who he feels like he has to market to. He is, for me, a product of the donor class. And so that is why I say and I continue to say that it is incumbent upon all of us as Americans to over-index in this election. That is what's going to show who we say should be in that highest office as the land, as Julian said, um, because there are a segment of the population that don't feel like they have to reach out to everyone, that mm-hmm. feel like it will suffice to do kind of like that, to reach, um, get out the vote outreach where you go to black churches or you disseminate people to go and talk to people. They come in on a Sunday morning, stand up, say something, and they exit out. And the next time you see them, you really don't see them, you see their name on the ballot. So I think it is for us to really push and to be very attentive coming up to 2020 to understand that we have to be informed on anybody's name who's on that list that's saying that they are running for the highest office of the land. To add to well, you know what? Oh, quickly. To add to what she's saying, I wish more young people would get involved, regardless of race. Get involved. You know, if you don't like the person that's in office, vote the person out. If you don't like the person that's running for office, why not run yourself? I think for as, as when it comes to us as black people, we are quick to to nominate somebody in office or we quick to put our faith in somebody else's hands that may not understand our struggle. Mm. But we know we know what, what our values are. We, we know what needs to be done, but why not just run for office? Because I guarantee you, if one person of color runs for office and you have a few people that can agree with this person, mm. uh, that's all it takes to get the ball rolling for you to start seeing change within your community instead of well, just waiting on somebody you. to do something. I see, um, especially around uh, climate change, I see a lot of younger white people uh, increasingly involved Mm. around a series of issues. I see less of that among young African Americans. You lead a young Republicans group. Tell me what I'm missing. I uh, I think for the black community, politics, you know, it's a class called civics. You know, Mm. if it's not being taught in the schools, it needs to be taught at home. I was raised a Democrat, but I didn't get serious about politics until I, until I got as an adult out of, out of college, until I realized how politics dictates everything. It dictates yep. how one side of the county has smooth roads, yep. the other side has potholes everywhere, yep. how one school system is thriving, how one school system is still striving to get, to get a dollar, how these houses over here are nice and beautiful, these houses over here are older, how the money okay. flows. You know, a lot of people don't understand that. It's your city councilman, your uh, county commissioner, yep. and your local so mayor. So your job, so your job, Mr. I was woke before I was born. <laughs> <laughs> no, your, ma'am. My job is to get people... But your job is to, is to... Basically, so, is it excite and insight and insight. Insight, ignite insight. Right. Yes, ma'am. Your young people, uh, your young Republicans and young Democrats and young... Not, not to be Republican, I tell people this. If I can't get you excited in something, it doesn't matter if, if, I, if I tell you to vote Republican or Democrat. An individual has to see value. It's just like when you, was a, when you were the president of the university. You have to show that young person something for that school, and they have to see value in being a part of that school and going to the school and getting an education. If they don't see value in it, it doesn't matter what you do, what type of package you present to them. At the end of the day, they, they're either going to go to the school, get a degree, or they're going to go somewhere else. So... I'd rather for you to be honest with yourself and say, hey, you know what? Thank you, Julian. I don't think I'm conservative. I'm going to look elsewhere at a Democrat or the Independents. I'm fine with that. Well, as long as you vote. Right, As long right. as you vote. And yeah. so I'm going to commend you <laughs> on um, being in a different lane 
not my lane, but a different lane, and I'm hoping that you are going to excite and incite young people to be more participatory. As I know, this is one of your missions. You talk oh, about it all the time. Absolutely. So we're going to flip, we're going to leave these shores to just go across the pond a bit. Uh, West African countries will stop using the Financial Community of Africa, CFA franc currency, beginning sometime in 2020, according to French President Emmanuel Macron. The ECO is supposed to replace the CFA franc, which is currently being used in eight West African countries and six countries in Central Africa. During a trip to Ivory Coast on Saturday, in cooperation with eight West African countries, Benin, Burkina Faso, Guinea-Bissau, Ivory Coast, Mali, Niger, Senegal, and Togo, Macron announced at a joint news conference with the Ivorian president that France is working to loosen up the supervision of the currency. The move to drop the CFA franc is part of France's plan to rebuild relations with its former African continents, colonies rather. Roland interviewed former African Union ambassador, amazing sister, Ericana Chimbori, about the controversial relationships between France and Africa last month. Let's take a look. Well, this is this cause. I mean, this has been lots of discussion back and forth, uh, obviously, um, from your supporters. And they say that your um, breakdown of the history of how uh, modern-day Africa was created, colonization, and the control or impact uh, France has had on many of the many African countries uh, is why you were let go. My supporters feel that way, and there's some... Um, some suggestion and some evidence. Like I said, I'm not privy to uh, to that information, but I will. Uh, there is some some evidence to that effect. Yes. So you were so so you believe that uh, that France is still uh, try, uh, is trying to silence you. Do you believe that? Let me put it this way. Um, maybe I lasted longer than I probably would have based on. Um, my views on uh, France, and it's not even my view, it's basically stating the facts in terms of what France is doing to Africa. Uh, what they're currently doing? What they're currently doing and have been doing for decades uh, since uh, the quote-unquote independence of the uh, former French colonies, yes. Um, so what is happening? Because look, the reality is a lot of Americans are not necessarily hearing about what's happening in African nations. Seven of the top ten fastest growing economies are, uh, are come, come from Africa. But you also have a significant impact of the Chinese in many African countries as well. Um, and so do you believe that uh, the government of France uh, is, still has uh, a lot of control over a number of African nations, of their former colonies? They have significant control over uh, all of their former colonies, uh, specifically 14 of them. Uh, just to uh, give you the highlights of what they did when they were giving the uh, independence, so to speak, to their former colonies, they forced them to sign a document which they are calling the Pact for the Continuation of Colonization. You have to understand, on one hand, they are saying we're giving you independence, which turned out to be mostly uh, political independence, but that you also have to sign this document, which is titled the Pact for the Continuation of Colonization. So you're going to be independent, but you have to agree to continue to be colonized. So two countries said, absolutely not. We are not going to sign those two do uh, the, that document. Those two countries? 
Mali and uh, Guinea. Okay. And what the French did, they went into those two countries, took everything that th they thought they had brought to those two economies, poured concrete into the sewage pipes, and completely devastating the two economies. This was done as a way of letting the other countries know that if you do not sign this document, this is the fate that awaits you. How has that negatively impacted those African countries? It has uh, impacted them Terribly, terribly, terribly. If you look at it, uh, you give up your, uh, the Pact for the Continuation of Colonization said those countries were expected to deposit 85% of their bank reserves uh, back then uh, with the uh, French Central uh, Bank under the control of the French Minister of Finance. And should those countries wish to uh, request some of those monies, because remember they were only left with 15% of, uh, of their reserves then they would have to submit a financial statement for the country, and if approved, they could only access up to 20% of whatever they had deposited the year before as a loan at commercial interest rates. The only difference now is the 85% deposits have now been lowered down to maybe between 50 and 60%, but the countries are still forced and required to deposit their bank reserves with the French Central Bank. Um, so picture this situation. You are depositing all your monies with France. Should you need some of your money, you get it as a loan at commercial interest rates. So immediately, you have a credit with France, but you begin to owe France. This has been going on and continues to this day. So combined, the 14 countries are giving to France cash, cold hard cash, over $500 billion every year. And France takes that money and invests it in its own stock market under the French name, and the countries may or may not know the returns. Currently, for every 14 billion that France takes out of Africa, by the time they finish investing it in the French stock market, they are realizing upwards of 300 billion. So you do the math to see how much money France is taking out of Africa every year. And yet France has the audacity to then look at African countries and call them poor countries. Why would poor African countries give $500 billion to France year in and year out. What really gets me the most is, how does the world sit back and watch this carnage take place in Africa? Where is the United Nations? This is the body that's supposed to be looking out uh, for any violations of human rights. It is my humble opinion that, singularly, what France is doing to Africa is the biggest violation of human rights. Women and children are dying of starvation, youth unemployment, when the same poor countries are giving $500 billion to France. It simply does not make any sense. And I don't know how the world can sit back and watch all this unfold and nobody is saying anything. This is an amazing woman. She has been such a passionate advocate for Africa uh, in the time that she has been the um, ambassador from the um, uh, African states to the United States. She's been a Pan-Africanist. She has been amazing. And her um, attack on the use of the franc really put her in hot water with Europeans who could not stand a black woman who stood up for not only for herself, but for her people. The CFA franc was established in 1945. It's been tagged as a controversial currency because of its control 
by France. In other words, French colonies have had to put 50% of their foreign currency reserves with France in return for France guaranteeing their currency, which means they've had to deposit without knowing what the returns would be. The new currency revamp announced by Macron will not require African countries in the ECHO's economic bloc to keep half their reserves with France or have a representative sit on their currency's board. However, their money will still be pegged to the euro and guaranteed by France. This is called a ripoff. This is called a uh, colonial relationship that has transcended colonization. So, I mean, Sister Ericana has been passionate, and because she had a three-year term, but because of her passion, mm -hmm. she was removed early from her term and basically attempted to be silenced. But what we know, if you saw her, and Roland did a great job with her, she is passionate about black liberation. Absolutely. And she is going to keep telling that story. Erica, what do you think? Yeah, and Julie and I were having a really good discussion over here. And, Y'all over there whispering that discussion, in my head. <laughs> <laughs> a spirited discussion. And, you know, out of that, um, to be quite honest with you, that in, in her interview that she did with Roland, the longer interview, she talks about that this is one of the number right human rights abuses yes. in the world that is really not being um, talked about. And so... When we talk about the things that are impacting our community, right, when we get down to the bread and butter issues, it really is economics. It, it really is economic the issues. Bottom line. Absolutely, that is our bottom line. And so that she has been the voice of talking about how France has continued to take away from African nations um, to the tune of $500 billion um, and then has the audacity to call these African nations poor countries. Well, just like your president. Oh, well, listen. Uh, listen, it is it's something that, um, in our discussion, there's something that has to be broken out much more, that we have to have an awareness um, as a people uh, of all of these different economic issues that are happening worldwide because they do impact all of us. And we can see how they mirror what we're experiencing here in um, the um, in America as well, black so bl people. Black people are at the bottom of the totem pole where we're looking internationally or nationally. Worldwide. That's what we need to pay attention to. Yeah. Julian? Like like Erica was saying, we had a conversation, and I ask people from time to time when they want to... We want to go back and forth about Trump this, Trump that, and I ask them, how do you feel about Asia having a heavy investment into Africa? And their response will be, what does that have to do with what we're talking about? I said, if you don't understand where I'm coming from, you don't understand how the game is played. I said, the politics is just a distraction. I said, if you ever get a chance to go to Africa, you'll see that a lot of things we're not in control of when it comes to the minerals. All our minerals come from Africa. Like Erica was saying, you have the Chinese that's over there drilling oil out yeah. and putting us at work yep. 15, 18, 20 hours a day. Yep. But at the same time, I don't think we are educated to understand what is going on. When it comes to our issues, you know, Sometimes we have a tendency we want to put our issues in other people's hands and say, hey, can you fix this for us? Black people's problems are not just with Trump. It goes back past Obama, past Clinton, Bush Sr., Bush Jr., Reagan, Kennedy. I truly believe our issues are grassroots, like I was telling Erica. And once we fix our issues at the grassroots level, the federal stuff will take care of itself. But I, at some well, point, I disagree we, we with you for any number of reasons, but I'm going to move on. I'm going to be cave. I'm going to move on. But I 
you know, it's not just federal. There's a lot of stuff going on. And I don't think anything began with Trump. I think Trump is a manifestation True. of I, 400 I years of evil. I agree. That's what I think. But you know what? On that note, it's time to go to crazy-ass white people. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, I ain't saying nothing about no, your I'm president. I'm just lie. saying. Okay. Not I'm white. I got you, huh? On my property. So, like you may remember Nicole Marie Poole Franklin from Monday's show. She told police she intentionally ran over a 14 year old girl on a sidewalk because she thought the teenager was a Mexican according to the Clive, Iowa Police Department. Well, now, police say there's surveillance video of her running over a 12-year-old black boy. The second incident occurred about an hour before the initial incident with a 14-year-old girl. Amidst her previous charges, Franklin may also be charged with a felony hate crime. Her bail is set at $1 million. Let's make it 10, uh, 20. Let's just... Anyway, y'all, what up? With that, I think her, I think she should have bail should have been revoked because when a person knowingly and willingly says something, they're not under the influence. I ran over this individual because of the color of their skin, or whatever the case may be. You, they, they shouldn't have a bond because of the fact if a GoFundMe account gets started and enough money is raised, she should. Yeah. They it, should throw yeah. her up under the jail. Yeah, but they're trying to figure out, you know. They, you know, somebody's gonna say she has hate. free free speech rights to run over people. No, nah, you, you you can't just go out. That's just like going out killing people at will. You can't do that. So yes, she, she should be charged with a hate crime. Mm-hmm. You know, right now it's attempted murder charge. Um, I, I I hope it doesn't lose ground because cases like this they they tend to lose ground when another big case takes precedence over it. But this is something that needs to be addressed. This is almost equivalent to kids coming up missing for when it comes to organ trafficking or if it's sex trafficking, whatever the case may be. You know, you got people out here that are running over kids. And this is just the one that we heard about. Yes. So what what would... Erica, what would make somebody think that it would be okay to run your automobile over somebody because they were Mexican or because they were black? Well, we could always go back to 2015 when... um, a person descended down a golden escalator and then in his uh, um, his announcement to the world that he was going to run for president, he talked about how Mexicans were rapists. Um, we can also talk about how hate crimes have really ramped up since a person who was um, uh, um, supposedly alleged um, elected president. We could talk about all of those things. We could also talk about that this happened in Iowa and I, mm-hmm. the first thing that came to mind with first me is that this is something, primary. absolutely, absolutely, that this is something that should be put before everybody that's running for president on how to deal with this. Um, because this did happen, um, what, a couple of weeks ago? So this is something that should definitely not lose ground, as you said, because no, there are well, other incidents that happen, really but every candidate, it. absolutely, every because one of them. this happened to children, a 14-year-old and a 12-year-old child. They're children. And they're like, just minding their out business. The gate. They're well, not bothering anybody. Out, they're minding their right. business. Right. Absolutely. Guys, I'm going to move on. This We could talk about this one all day. I'm looking for the lady. No, I'm not. Don't die. Take me seriously. <laughs> but um, I'm going to go to a break. I'll be right back. 
a lot of the times people look at them as juvenile delinquents, but everybody has a past. Nobody's perfect. My name is Tanisha Barnes. I work at New Beginnings Department of Youth Rehabilitation Services, and I'm a cook there. At 3.15, I get up, get myself ready. I have to leave out by, you know, later than 4.25 to get to work. When I get to work at 5 o'clock, I cook, prepare breakfast, um, prepare lunch. The population is 30 males, and I just try to let them know that it's okay. We all make mistakes, but it's where you go and what you do after your mistakes to make everything better. When I cook for the kids, and they say, I know you cooked this, because you cooked this with love, didn't you, Miss B? You put this love in that. Having children and then becoming a union member shows me that it's more that I could fight for um, better education, better paying jobs, safety. You're helping develop something more meaningful in the workforce. I even got my kids involved. We do rallies, we do door knocks. I'm working for myself, I'm working for my children, and I just want them to be proud of me uh, for going after what I believe in and following my dreams as I try to push them to do the same thing. I love my kids and I love the kids I serve, and I'm glad that I can go and make a positive impact on their lives every day. We are grateful for Ask Me's support of Roland Martin Unlimited and shout out to the sister who told her overcoming story. Now we've got some bad news. ESPN reporter Ed Ashkoff, who covered the Southeastern Conference College Sports for the network, died Tuesday after a battle with pneumonia. He was only 34 years old. He had recently announced on social media that an illness he had contracted while covering the Ohio State-Michigan football game had progressed into multifocal pneumonia. Ashcroft grew up in Oxford, Mississippi, where his father was a professor at the University of Mississippi and his mother was a special education public school teacher. He attended the University of Florida, where he studied journalism and played bass drum for the school's Pride of the Sunshine marking band. Among, upon graduation in 2008, he covered Gators football, basketball, and baseball for the Gainesville Sun and joined ESPN in 2011 to blog about the Southeastern Conference. He rose quickly through the ranks and relocated from Atlanta to LA in 2017 to take on a national role that included more television appearances while also working as a TV and radio sideline reporter doing football broadcasts. There will be a small memorial held in Ashcroft's honor in his hometown of Oxford, Oxford Mississippi followed by a main service in Atlanta. Our thoughts and prayers are with the family. So that's it, y'all. That's it for this edition of Roland Martin Unfiltered. I want to thank Erica Savage-Wilson. Always love being with her. And also Julian Boykin. Always love messing with him. And uh, <laughs> Roland will be back in studio on Monday. I'm Dr. Julianne Malvo, filling in for him. Have a great weekend, a happy new year, and holla.
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.